WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 34, all about The Black Gate is Closed. Chapter 3, Book 4 of The Two Towers, being the 34th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Emily Gill of Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. Welcome, Emily. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm trying to like slowly tap into every podcast that's doing like a chapter by chapter coverage and also having some other fun stuff mixed in there. So thank you for coming on. Also, I just listened to y'all's Galentine's Day episode and now I just really want a strawberry mojito. So <laughs> thanks for that. Oh, my gosh. They're so good. So good. Um, yeah, our podcast is super fun. We're Right now we're doing deep dives into the series. So we split the books up into four parts and kind of dive in and then do a movie comparison. Yeah, it's just super fun. We have drinks of the week every week. And it's me and my best friend just kind of shooting the shire every week. <laughs> so... <laughs> Nice. That sounds nice. All right, cool. So jumping in with, oh, well, actually, first I want to ask you, how did you get into, like, what's your background with Lord of the Rings? How did you get into that? Well, I was kind of raised on it. So my dad, who has been on our podcast before, kind of inspired my love of literature and sci-fi and kind of all things nerd, if you will. Um, So I was kind of raised on Lord of the Rings. I remember seeing the movies when they were in theaters and just like falling in love with this magical world. And when I was in middle school, I read The Hobbit and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, I mean, I love Harry Potter in and of itself, obviously, Mm -hmm. since I have an entire podcast dedicated to it. But um, Lord of the Rings, like when I read this chapter preparing for this podcast, I was just inspired again. It's just such a different kind of world, Mm. and it's just so deep. And Tolkien is one of my favorite authors, and just the way he writes is just so inviting. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of been a love that's always been there and really inspired by my dad and my brother. So, yeah, it's a special series for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I've gotten, like, a couple questions or, or comments about, like, oh, what do you like better, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? And I'm like, or what is the better series? And I feel like they can't even be compared because Tolkien's writing style is so, like, unique and intense in a way that I don't think any other author today does. Even though, like, even though I love, you know, I love Harry Potter and it's, spoiler alert, I think I do still love Harry Potter. I think I definitely like Harry Potter more than Lord of the Rings. Sorry, everyone. But (laughs) (laughs) hopefully, like, my podcast doesn't get canceled since I said that. But at this point in the (laughs) series. They're going to be like, you're betraying your brand. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I definitely still enjoy Lord of the Rings. But as far as world immersion, Harry Potter's excellent. But um. Yeah, his, but yeah, Tolkien's writing is just, it's fun because just this morning I was editing the episode that will come out as we're recording this. It's the episode that'll come out tomorrow. And we spent like five minutes talking about like this one paragraph where he was describing the landscape and the personification and the imagery and descriptive language and everything that he uses is just unlike anything else that you've, that you'll read today. Right. Yeah, no, he is just an incredible author. And now I just want to like dive in and reread the series all over again. Yes, do it. (laughs) Do it. And then you can (laughs) you can listen along with me as I'm reading it. And then you'll I'll say something really dumb. and You'll be like, that's so wrong. But she doesn't even know it yet. (laughs) I would never I would never. No. See, I think like this is what I really like about this day and age is that you can make a podcast about anything that you find important to you. And just hearing everyone's takes on it, because there's so many Harry Potter podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone looks at the series differently because we all have different experiences. So I I just think it's awesome that we're able to produce things like this to where you can be listening. And you're right. You could be like, oh, I kind of thought of it like this way. But both opinions are valid. And it's really fun 
even when we are catching things in our deep dives that we haven't caught before, even our listeners will be like, well, what about this? So no, I just think it's awesome that we're able to even do this. Yeah. It's just really cool to me. I know. Yeah. What a day and age we're in. If Tolkien like could ever imagine it. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so this chapter is, t- it's of super like epic title. The Black Gate is closed. That's so cool and very not harsh. I don't know like what the word is to say, but like it's very it, it's it really sets the mood, I guess, for like, oh, this way yeah. is blocked. There's going to there's immediately an obstacle that they're going to have to figure out what to do. Which I'm glad that they're finally cuz in the previous chapter, I was wondering what exactly their plan is to get into Mordor because (laughs) (laughs) like they got here and I was like, okay, so like now what? And that's what this whole chapter (laughs) is about is they, they get there and they realize, oh, we can't go that way. Hmm. What are we going to do? Maybe we should have thought this through (laughs) better. This is harder than we thought it was going to (laughs) be. Yeah. Who would have thought that getting into and I think I think it was also in the first chapter of this part of the book that Sam was like, isn't that funny that the one part of this land that literally everyone has said don't go there now we're trying to go there. And I'm like, I don't know if that's funny so much as like, ironic situation. He is like always the voice of reason. Who's Sam? back commentary. Yeah, his back commentary is always just like, what? Especially (laughs) his views on Gollum. He's Mm -hmm. like, come on, Mr. Frodo. Like, really? We're gonna trust him? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. A, yeah. Okay. So what is your opinion of Sam? Is he, because there are a lot of people who Sam is one of their favorite characters. Yeah. Sam's one of my favorite characters for sure. So I'm all about like the loyalty factor. So Ron is one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. in the Harry Potter world. So I'm all about that like loyal sidekick life that they live. But I also love how he never gives up on Frodo when he easily could, like multiple, multiple, multiple times. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. Yeah. I just adore him. Um, but I think, weirdly, my favorite character is Gimli. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's great. I love yeah. that. That's great. Giving Gimli some love because I feel like not yeah. everyone gives him gives him the love that he deserves. They don't. They don't give him enough credit. <laughs> they don't. He's such a good character. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So uh, I do want to give you, Emily, and also the listeners uh, a little disclaimer and a warning here. Um, I might, I might uh, trash talk Sam a little bit this this episode. That's good, girl. That's good. You do it <laughs> because. Um, so Emily, some context for you is that I have never been a fan of Sam. I think he's really annoying. Yeah. And everyone keeps telling me, oh, just wait, like he gets better. He's just so loyal and <laughs> and he like he really steps up his game. I get it. He is annoying in the beginning, but he he gets really great. And here I am, you know, three chapters into the the Sam and Frodo journey, and I'm getting more and more annoyed with Sam. And I find myself sympathizing with Gollum a lot, which is weird (laughs) and not what I expected at all. (laughs) It's okay. I mean, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, everyone will read this this differently. So So. nobody come at me, please. (laughs) No one come at her. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So anyway, this chapter starts with a very epic sentence it says before the next day dawned their journey to Mordor was over and it's so final and definite that like they're here this is it and it kind of leads into the question of like oh their journey here is over so now what is the next you know 200 300 pages gonna be about And, and the mystery and uncertainty there also I highlighted the phrase further down in one of the Uh, It's talking about how well-guarded this entire land is, and there are cliffs and towers, and there are people watching. And it uses the phrase ceaseless vigilance. And I wrote down, Mad-Eye Moody, is that you? Because that's like, (laughs) except for- Constant vigilance. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that's such a 
such a specific phrase that just made me laugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it Tolkien spends like a solid pa- full page, page and a half, depending on like what version you have of the book, just describing how well guarded Mordor is and basically just setting the scene that like they are not getting into Mordor easily. <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to happen. Sam says, I love this. He says, well, here we are. Here's the gate, and it looks to me as if that's about as far as we're ever going to get. My word, but the gaffer would have had a thing or two to say if he saw me now. Often said I'd come to a bad end if I didn't watch my step. I love that because he's like, he'll probably say, I told you so when I die here, because we're all going (laughs) to die here. We are never getting into Mordor, and well, too bad. This is as far as we're going to get. Oh, well. (laughs) And I love that this is the first character dialogue of the chapter is Sam basically being like, well, you know, we we tried. tried. (laughs) (laughs) We're here. We tried. We're not getting in. Exactly. Well, great. (laughs) And he says, I suppose it's no good asking, what way do we go now? And just once again, I'm like, seriously, you got like, you had all this time traveling to Mordor to think about how are we going to get there? What way do we go? And they're only, I just love that they're literally standing there like, I want, and they're only now contemplating what they need to do next. <laughs> this is why Sam and Frodo are so great because they don't have the Hermione character. It's literally if Ron, <laughs> if Ron and, and Harry he- were just <laughs> that's, doing it. Like that's so they true. Don't have the Hermione character telling them what they need to oh, do. That's so, so true. So it's like they procrastinate up until they get there, and they're like, "Oh, Shire, like what? Like what do we do now?" <laughs> That's so true. So I had to cut this out of the previous episode, but I brought up that, oh, I think the reason that there are no female characters in the fellowship is that this story would be so much shorter if there was, like if there was that Hermione character in the fellowship. It's so true. They would like, it would be, they would have a solid plan. They would have like a bat, they would have like three backup plans. It just would have gone so much smoother. And so I have to convince myself that like that's the reason why Tolkien didn't write a lot of female characters in here <laughs> is because the story would have been over way too quickly. It gave him a lot more content. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> just having a I bunch mean, of men. There are so around. many great characters, but you're right. If there was a female character in the fellowship, it really would have been a lot smoother. Yeah. She would have told them exactly what to do. When to do it. They would have stopped and asked for directions every now and then. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they need a Hermione in this book. I know. So bad. So bad. So then Gollum says, he was like, well, technically, I never said I would get you into Mordor. I said I would get you to Mordor. (laughs) And we are here and my job is done. I'm like, well, I mean... He has a point. That is correct. (laughs) He's not wrong. And then I love this. Sam says, then what the plague did you bring us here for? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. I've been waiting this whole time to see, because early in Fellowship of the Ring, I misread a phrase that someone said where it said, now what in the Shire is he looking for here? And I thought what in the Shire was, was a swear or a curse. And mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was just saying them saying, like, what are they here in the Shire looking for? But here it is, you know, four, I don't know, 600 pages into this book. It's it's a <laughs> hobbit swear. What in the uh, what the plague did you bring us here for? <laughs> and I just love this outburst from Sam because he's been pretty reasonable and level headed. But we see this moment of like mm-hmm. anger and frustration. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, why do you think we would have brought you here if we didn't want to go in? <laughs> yeah, he's like, really? You're not that stupid. And we're not stupid. Yeah. So, well, they might be a little stupid towards the end of this chapter. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. So much stupidity. <laughs> so much stupidity. Yeah. So, Fro- oh, and then Frodo jumps in and says, he's like, Smeagol's right. I only said that we needed directions to Mordor. And I didn't say that he needed to take us into Mordor because I'm planning to do this alone. I'm going to go in by myself and I'm not asking for either of you to come with me. And obviously, 
Sam is not gonna just be like, okay, bye. <laughs> going back. Peace out. Going I'm back, going to, back to the Shire. Yeah, Rivendell. <laughs> and Gollum has now pledged his loyalty to, well, not to Frodo, but to the ring. And also it was at this point that I was like, oh, Gollum thinks he, Gollum doesn't know that Frodo is intending to go into Mordor to destroy the ring. He's thinking that Frodo is going to give the ring to Sauron. And I don't know, it just never occurred to me that Gollum doesn't know what Frodo intends to do with the ring. I don't think in his wildest dreams would he ever expect someone who has the precious to destroy it or want to destroy it. Yeah. Because he's so overtaken by his love for this power as has everyone else who's ever worn it, right? So I think it just kind of would blow his mind if Frodo was like, no, we're actually going in to destroy it. He'd be like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why are you doing that? I mean, <laughs> you have all this power Yeah, right it's like, now. I don't... Why are you not harnessing it? I don't get it. Why would you do that? <laughs> this is the best thing in yeah. the world. It's kind of like how... Honestly, it's how a lot of things in Harry Potter work. How, like, mm-hmm. yeah. with the Sorcerer's Stone, Quirrell couldn't get it and Voldemort couldn't get it because they never would have thought of someone who wants to have the stone but not use it. And then also kind right. of similar logic applying to the Elder Wand that... It would never occur to Voldemort that like, oh, well, wait, no, I'm mixing. Oh, I just mixed up what happened in the movie versus the the book where in the book, the correct version is Harry uses the wand to repair his wand, his phoenix wand, Mm -hmm. and then places it back in Dumbledore's grave. And the elder wand is going to die with Dumbledore. And that's great. And it'll die when Harry dies. As opposed to the movie version where Harry literally snaps it in half and throws it off a bridge. Just saying, that's the Elder One. Most powerful wand in the world. With that, we'd be invincible. Yeah, (sighs) in the movie version when he like Katie Herons it and like breaks it up (laughs) like he's going to give it out to people. Yes! It's just, I mean, it's just plastic. It's really just... (sighs) But, yeah... That's exactly what I thought of, too. I mean, basically, the entire Harry Potter series is one big power struggle. Yeah. Yeah, especially with the Sorcerer's Stone. I think that's a fantastic analogy. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. You know, they could have never grasped how to get that. And Harry is this 11-year-old boy who just ends up with the most powerful yeah. stone in his pocket. And he's like, okay. Okay, it's a so, pretty ruby stone. Great. But he does get, he does get a little shocked when Dumbledore then says that he just he's gonna destroy right, it yeah because he well in harry's like such good heart he's surprised that he that happened because nicholas flamel to die yeah yeah, yeah. He, and i love that dumbledore's like nicholas flamel is like a thousand <laughs> years old he's he can die he's ready now <laughs> it's his time um <laughs> side note There are a lot of things, uh, I don't know what your feelings are about the second Fantastic Beast movie, but a lot of things about that movie are bad insane. But what I enjoyed so immensely was the random appearance of Nicholas Flamel. And he's this like insane kooky wizard. (laughs) He like, I all those years thought he was like a really distinguished, like another version (laughs) of Dumbledore. And he's just like crazy. No, I have a lot of feelings about that film. Don't we shouldn't really get into it because that's a whole nother <laughs> thing. But no, yeah, <laughs> the Nicholas Flamel appearance I think was really cool. Was and you're right. I think I also pictured him as this super distinguished scholar person. He's just kind of wild. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what happens when you just make live forever. A lot yeah, of elixirs and yeah, things exactly. <laughs> so I like this line. This is Sam contemplating what Frodo has just said, how he's, Frodo is like, oh, I will go into Mordor by myself. Neither of you have to come with me. And this is like kind of Sam's inner monologue. Being a cheerful hobbit, he had not needed hope as long as despair could be postponed. So I like that Sam's philosophy this entire time has just been denial, where... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't have to think about that right now because we're not in Mordor, and I'm sure it'll all be fine. So you know what? Who needs hope when you have denial? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he just tries to not think of anything 
super dark, which is unfortunate for him in this entire series. But yeah, it can be hard Sam. to make your your yeah. mind go that way. But which I get. Yeah, and but like, what a great quality to have to not make your mind go that way. I know. Yeah, I think that personally, I'm like the complete opposite of that. That's all I would be thinking about is the whole way and be like, oh, how the, how the hell are we going to do this? Like, yeah. How are we going to get into Mordor? How are we going to destroy this thing? Like, We're all going to die. This. this is bad. <laughs> but he's just so internally optimistic, I think, to a point where he's just like kind of a little bit dumb. Yeah. Not, oh, yeah. Not that uh, he's stupid, but just I would dumb and that he's like blinding himself. Yeah, naive. That he's blinding himself to the outcomes that will come of this journey. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of the outcomes, I guess, I don't know, whatever. Um, uh, Frodo asks how, if there are any other ways to get into Mordor. And Smeagol, this is when Smeagol's like, oh, you want to get into Mordor? I mean, okay, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> He's like, are you sure? It's <laughs> like, are you sure you want to do that? But all right. <laughs> and Gollum is like, Yes, uh, there is another. There are a couple of other ways, and I can lead you, and I'll do that. And this is when Sam. A lot of this, I kind of am just now noticing that. Whereas in Fellowship, a lot of the inner monologue was from the perspective of Frodo. I would say the majority mm-hmm. now of the inner monologue is from Sam's thoughts, and I think that's interesting yeah. because then we only have like an outside glimpse of how the ring is affecting Frodo whereas I feel like it would be a lot Mm -hmm. um darker and angstier if it was Frodo's inner monologue but um Sam uh says to all appearances Gollum was genuinely distressed and anxious to help Frodo and so this is kind of when his his suspicions kick in and he starts thinking and he says Sam's guess was that the Smeagol and Gollum halves or what in his own mind he called Slinker and Stinker, had made a truce and a temporary alliance. Never wanted the enemy, or neither wanted the enemy to get the ring. Both wished to keep Frodo from capture and under their eye as long as possible. So two things. First, I'm like, Sam, I think it's a, I know you don't like Gollum, but I think it's a little, a little unnecessary. You've gone a little too far when you're calling him Slinker and Stinker. <laughs> that he's like made up these mean names, nicknames for him in his head. And then two, I feel like Gollum's goals right now align with a lot of Sam's goals and he should play that to his advantage where Gollum doesn't want he Gollum also doesn't want Sauron to get the ring. That's a plus. And he right. wants to keep Frodo safe. And I think that's a huge plus. And I really feel like this is where I was starting to, right. I was like, am I, wait, am I like Team Gollum here? Where <laughs> I was like, Sam, you're just being unnecessary and mean. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, you should, I think you should really play that to your advantage that Gollum cares so immensely about right. the ring and Frodo that he doesn't want either to be taken by Sauron. Yeah, I think honestly, a lot of this name calling and a lot of his attitude towards Gollum just on comes from jealousy because Gollum can Ooh, yeah. give Frodo something that he can't because he's been over in this part of the world and he's seen this stuff that Sam has never even like dreamed of seeing before. So, it just honestly comes from jealousy because he wants to be the one to help Frodo and he wants to be the one that Frodo relies on. And at this point in time, you know, he can't really give him much besides support. So yeah, I think it just really stems from jealousy. Yeah, that's a great point. Something I didn't think about. And then also I will, I'll, I'll give Sam a point here because then he started thinking about this next thing that I was like, okay, I Sam, I understand your logic. I'm not I'm not totally team Gollum. I am seeing Sam's logic here and thinking, and I'm like, yeah, that does make sense. That's also a good point. Um, he says, if uh, so, basically he 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 goes down this train hole. What was I going to say? Thought hole. <laughs> train of thought. That's what I was trying to say. Good lord, train hole. What the heck? Train of thought. <laughs> he goes on this train of thought of saying he doesn't know how allegiant 
or how loyal Gollum is to Frodo because he's pledged his allegiance to the ring. And he knows right. that he's terrified of Sauron. And Sam's thinking that there's also a good chance that uh, to escape either to escape Sauron, he could betray them to Sauron and give Frodo and Sam up and say like, hey, look, they have the ring and he could run away. Or once he finds out that they're trying to destroy the ring, that could also end disastrously of Gollum like completely betraying them if he, you know, whatever he would do if he found out that they were going to destroy the ring. So I understand his hesitance and his need to proceed with caution. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we get this little, we do kind of, uh, I said all that about, oh, we have a lot of Sam's inner monologue, but now we have some of Frodo's too, where he remembers, and I totally forgot this happened, um, that when they were on, what was it, Amon Hen, he went and sat on this like stone throne chair thing on a hill and had this vision kind of and I totally forgot about it and it's crazy because technically that was like only a week ago for him and for us it was like over 200 pages ago and I totally forgot about it (laughs) but he remembers that there was a vision of a battle happening and There are all these sounds of war and battle and trumpets and people fighting. And at the time, he was like, oh, that's that'll be like our side fighting and winning the war or something. But then he realizes that, no, it's it's all of Sauron's troops that he's summoning and deploying. Right. I love this. It says, as if suddenly made fully aware of the peril of their position alone in the growing light of day. So near to this vast menace. Uh, and then he pulls up his hood and then he's like, okay, let's make a plan. And so I love that. <laughs> it's like only now after, after they've been standing there for like a day or I don't even know. Like, I don't, I don't even know how long they've just been standing there in the open light right in front of Mordor with all of these people watching. It only now occurs to Frodo that he's like, all right, we got to get out of here. We got to make a plan. <laughs> I just like that he all with all of that, he just puts his hood on. Yeah. Like, hmm, well, it's, that'll protect me. It's the elf hood. <laughs> so it'll who knows what powers it has, honestly, you know, it's just so funny to me that that I don't know. <laughs> just make sure I'm like getting his hood and putting it on. He's like, all right, guys. It's like, time to actually figure this out. Yeah, it's that's go. the dramatic moment where like the camera <laughs> swoops in on his face and he puts his hood up and he's like, it's go time. Um, <laughs> except for it, it's Frodo, so it's not actually that epic. It's not as cool as he thinks it is, but he thinks it's really cool. <laughs> he thinks it's really cool. That's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> and then I love this line that he says to Smeagol. He says, it is my fate to receive help from you where I least looked for it. And your fate to help me, whom you long pursued with evil purpose. And so I love that, that there's this overarching, yeah, fate kind of that's bringing them together where he's having to trust kind of also super similar to how the it's a hobbit that's carrying the ring, how it's someone that you would least right. expect to have this great power is carrying the ring. The last person you would expect to have to help them in this quest for good uh, uh, is Gollum. And he's like this embodiment of evil and grossness and just nothing good. Right. I mean, I got to tell you, if I had the ring, the last person on earth I would want around me as Gollum. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, I would never sleep. It was it was smart for Frodo to be like, don't pledge your loyalty to me, pledge it to the ring. Because he knew that was the yeah. one thing that Gollum would actually keep it. He knew that Gollum would keep to his word if he swore on the ring, because that's the only thing he, right. he cares about. Mm-hmm. Like, I never would have thought of doing that. So I guess I'll give Frodo some props there. He can be smart sometimes. <laughs> So he goes into like another speech about like uh, kind of literally what I was just talking about, where he's like, you have to promise that you're going to listen to me and you're going to you're not going to screw us over. And if you, you know, we're all in danger. So if you're trying to lead us 
to if you're trying to trick us or if you're trying to steal the ring or lead us to danger, there's a good chance you're going to be in danger, all this stuff. And he points out that Gollum has already said like just a little while ago when he was saying that they wanted to go into Mordor, he's shown that there's still the side of him that wants the ring because Mm -hmm. Frodo says, he said, give it back to Smeagol, you said. Do not say that again. And Sam is watching this, and I love this. He says, uh, he watched him with surprise. There was a look in his face and a tone in his voice that he had not known before. And that's also just another peppering of hints as to what the ring is doing to Frodo, that he's a lot more assertive and kind of scary than he was before. He's losing his innocence. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So then Gollum promises, pledges his, uh, you know, his loyalty and everything all over again. Then he starts describing what path they would take or what path there is. And I tried so hard to find this on the map, but I could not. And it's just like, once again, (laughs) for so many, like, it says the road that turned west of Ethel Duath. And then on the right, a road went down to Osgiliath and the bridges of the Anduin. In the middle, the road went on southward. So I kind of had... Eventually, I was able to piece together a rough estimate. I was like, I think it's that one. But it's just like, (laughs) Tolkien is such a great writer. And at the same time, I still have like no idea where they are or where they're trying to get to. (laughs) Oh, wait, where did this happen? This was... Oh, there was one point in the middle. Oh, here it is. Sorry, I want to back up to when... Frodo is like, well, I guess we're going to, it's ironic that we all have to work together now. And I love this. It says, truly I say and mean, he added with a glance at Sam, for twice now we have been in your power and you have done no harm to us. So I just love that side eye at Sam where Frodo is like, behave, please, because this is the only way we're going to be able to do this. And like, also, we're not dead, so we can trust him. Please don't ruin this. Uh... (laughs) Gollum, yes, is describing this road that I couldn't find on the map, but I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm just going to ignore it and pretend like I know exactly where they are. Um, And he's describing one of the towers uh, and how long ago it was built. He said one they raised was silver white called the Tower of the Moon. And Frodo says, yes, that would be minus Ithil, the Isildur, that Isildur, the son of Elendil built. It was Isildur who cut off the ring of the enemy. So first of all, I was like, thank you, Frodo, for that quick little summary, because I kind of forgot about all of that. <laughs> and also, it was at this point, 200 plus pages into the book, where I was like, right, the name of this book is Two Towers. At some point, one of the towers, <laughs> hopefully, is going to come into play. <laughs> These towers might be important yeah exactly <laughs> it's, it's the title like of the book yeah <laughs> it's like when you're you know you're reading harry potter and goblet of fire and then they bring in the goblet of fire and you're like oh this is where it all kicks off great <laughs> here it goes yep. here it goes <laughs> but yeah i was like oh right the towers that's probably important here and Gollum reminds them that even though it was the tower was built when Sauron had been defeated, he's now back and he's conquered it and it's not safe for them anymore. I love this because Sam, as uh, Gollum is describing this and every now and then he'll be like, but we don't want to go that way because that way is filled with people watching it and enemies. There's no way we're going to live. And Sam just keeps jumping in and saying like, okay, so then what's the point of us going that way if there's no safe way for us to travel? And I'm just like, Sam, stop it with the sass and let him finish. I'm sure that he has, like, obviously there's no good way. Oh, and that's also, I think, what Gollum mentions at one point. Because Sam keeps bringing up, like, you keep talking about how dangerous this is. So why are you trying to take us this way? And I love, Gollum says, it's not sense to try and get into Mordor at all. And I'm like, once again, Gollum has a point (laughs) where he's like, look. This is a dangerous land. There's going to be literally no good way to get into here. So just right. just trust me here. I do think Sam makes a pretty good point, though, when he says 
Um, surely the enemy knows all about his own mountains, and that road will be guarded as close as this. The tower isn't empty, is it? So I think that's just a good little, and like Gollum responds to him, but I think it's a good little foreshadowing moment Mm -hmm. of him just reminding them, like, we're being watched, guys. Like, Like, everywhere. People know where we are. (laughs) (laughs) We're not alone. (laughs) Um, Yes. To that response, Gollum is saying that there's one area. He says, it is here in the north that the big danger is for him and for us. He will come out of the Black Gate one day, one day soon. That is the only way big armies can come. But away down west, he is not afraid, and there are the silent watchers. And I'm like, I don't really know what this, I don't really want to know what the silent watchers are, because it doesn't sound good. (laughs) I'm sure I will find out, and I'm sure it'll be gross and terrifying. But until that time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Gollum is saying there is a way down this path, further down south and yeah, to the west of Mordor, kind of, where if they go this way, Sauron's powers aren't as concentrated there because he doesn't think that anyone would try to enter that way. And his efforts are more focused where they are now. And so that's Gollum's logic. And then he describes that there's this one, he says, a little path leading up to the mountains, and then a stair, a narrow stair. Oh, yes, very long and narrow. And then more stairs. And then his voice sank even lower, a tunnel, a dark tunnel. And at last, a little cleft, a path higher above the main pass. Emily, are you familiar with uh, Avatar The Last Airbender at all? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Okay, so um, this was when I absolutely lost my mind because I was like, are you <laughs> telling me that the way into Mordor is through a secret tunnel? And for <laughs> Avatar fans, you will know that there is a very inf- very like iconic moment. Yeah, I forget the next couple lines, but uh, then it goes. Secret tunnel, secret tunnel. Secret, 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 secret tunnel, yeah. And I was losing <laughs> my mind because I was like, are you telling me the way into Mordor is through a secret f-ing tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> I just, if you could think up a path that you absolutely don't want to go on, this is it. I mean, oh, it, yeah. Stairs. Yeah, he was like. Narrow, oh, awful. Narrow stairs and then a tunnel. A dark tunnel. I was like, I'm good. I'm not even a claustrophobic person, but that sounds awful. Yeah, especially with Frodo just being Frodo. It's kind of weird. And then Sam sassing you slash complaining. And then Gollum just being creepy. It's just like, no thanks. Yeah, this I'm is good. A, yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then, yeah, when he was saying like the, a stair, a narrow stair, yes, very long and narrow, and then more stairs. I was imagining if, um, for anyone who's ever traveled to Europe, there are a lot of like old churches and towers and stuff that you can climb. Mm-hmm. And that's like the description of all of these, where it's just narrow stairs and then more <laughs> stairs is the description of it. Um, I forget the name. It's the church in Vatican City. And we were climbing it. We were climbing to get to the top. And there's one point where you're like, where you're inside the dome and the wall is tilting sideways and is at a curve. And and so I'm picturing that, but like in the dark. And that's <laughs> that's what their plan is now. It was also at this point that I was like, hmm, I wonder if they could just like, I was like, okay, if I was in this situation, how would I get into Mordor? And I was like, I would dig a tunnel. I would just start digging. Just let's dig a tunnel like a couple miles out and just and just keep digging. And that's our plan. We'll we'll go underground, we'll go under the mountains and we'll get in that way. That sounds pretty foolproof to me. And that's not too different from what this is cuz they're going through a secret tunnel, but yeah. Secret tunnel. <laughs> I think at this point, the first time I ever read this, I'm trying to think back. The first I was like, "Oh, he's definitely leading them to their death." because <laughs> I, mean, I mean does no one else see this yeah and then it's i don't know it's not it a just, great situation which sam does point out because he's like why how do you know about this 
He's like, yeah. Wait a minute. Sam's line of, I don't like the sound of it at all. Yeah. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Sounds too easy at any rate in the telling. And yeah, this is when Sam is like, there's no, like, this path has to be guarded, right? And this is when Gollum kind of starts, like, he's like, I mean, yeah, technically. And then they're like, well, wait a minute. How did you find this? And he's like, uh, well, you see what had happened was. And they're like, you used this to escape, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, kind of. And this is when, let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam thinks, he says, the escape may have been allowed or arranged well known in the and well known in the dark tower. So their concern here is that Gollum used this to get out, but that Sauron let him get out to only to like lead them back here. I don't, I don't know. So, something happening here where there's there's foul play at hand and not yeah. to be trusted completely, but at the same time it's like I mean it's kind of the only plan we've got, so what other choice do we have? I also like that Frodo is in this passage picking up on that Gollum is kind of taking back control mm-hmm. since he's referring to himself as I and yes. not we. And so that, that's I think just a really good thing to pick up on is you know Smeagol's going away. Like, he's not going to be around for very much longer. Like, it's going to be Gollum. Yeah. So. And I didn't notice that. So I was, yeah, I highlighted that when he pointed it out. For one thing, he noted that Gollum used I, and that seemed usually to be a sign on its rare appearances that some remnants of old truth and sincerity were for the moment on top. And I was like, oh, that's a great point. I didn't even notice that. That's kind of a good sign. That's that's like all it takes for Frodo to be like, yeah, I mean, sounds good to me. And you're not uh, saying we anymore. Okay. Yeah. But I, I think he sees it as sincerity. But I think this is where I kind of see it a different way, maybe more of in a Sam perspective mm-hmm. of I think Gollum is obviously the more dominant personality. And so when he says I, I think he's just like going evil. Yeah. I think he's just turning. Makes sense. But I don't know. He's a creepy, creepy guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, it's not a good situation no matter which way you, you spin it, you know? It's really like, not. it's not good either way. And I like that they have this little, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a Sam thought, a Frodo thought, or like a narrator thought, but I liked it either way. It says, Aragorn could perhaps have told them that that name Wait, 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 let me start over. Aragorn perhaps could have told them that name and its significance. Gandalf would have warned them, but they were alone and Aragorn was far away and Gandalf stood amid the ruin of Isengard and strove with Saruman delayed by treason. So I just love that little reminder of like, there are a lot of competent people who could be with them and tell them what to do, but they're not here right now. And that's why the things that are about to happen are going to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then also Frodo is he takes this moment to think about how like Gandalf is gone because at this point he doesn't know that they don't know that Gandalf is back. They don't know that he's Gandalf the White. And he remembers that Gandalf hadn't even mentioned anything about how they were going to get into Mordor. And that was something that they hadn't talked about at all or planned about. And he was wondering, like, if Gandalf himself even knew what he was going to do. But I just always like those reminders of when, like, hey, remember how Gandalf gave absolutely no instructions or plans to anyone in the fellowship and everyone's just flying by the seat of their pants and maybe he should have passed on some instructions to people to maybe to aragorn in the event of his quote-unquote death i just picture him and dumbledore just meeting up and sipping tea and being like did you give them any direction no did you give them any direction absolutely not yeah for like the moment where gandalf is between gandalf the gray and gandalf the white He's just, he's sitting like in the platform nine and three quarters, like limbo (laughs) heaven space. And they're just sitting there talking, being like, and then I fell to my death and they're just going to have to figure it out themselves. And then Gandalf (laughs) and then uh, Dumbledore is like, that's great. I told Harry that he needs to find uh, five other horcruxes, but I didn't tell him what they were or where to find them. He's like, yeah, I didn't tell him that Snape is actually my secret agent who's been orchestrating this entire thing. 
That's oh going to be gosh. a big moment. Yeah, like that'll be fun when they find that out. <laughs> and then Gandalf <laughs> is like, all right, well, it's time for me to go back to Earth now. Have have fun. <laughs> and Dumbledore's like, you can do that. <laughs> and then he leaves. <laughs> God, imagine if Dumbledore came back as Dumbledore the White. That would be... No. That would have been so much be more extreme. helpful, honestly. <laughs> but eh, whatever. Yeah. Then... There's a break in the page where, like, time has passed. It says, the day drew on. And I'm like, seriously, guys? You, like, Gollum gave you this plan, and then just no one said anything about it, and then you all just continued to stand there for several more hours, saying nothing, discussing nothing, no decisions what being made. What were you made. doing? <laughs> Like, they just I all don't... stood there in silence. Like, at some point, someone needs to say something and make a decision. And they just, they just sit there. Like, reminding, <laughs> like, they're literally, like, at the gates of Mordor. Like, oh, and this is what, yeah, this is when it happens. It says, Sam thought he saw a dark bird-like figure wheel into the circle of his sight and hover and then wheel away. Two more followed and then a fourth. They were very small to look at, yet he knew somehow that they were huge with a vast stretch of pinion flying at a great height. And then, oh, and he covered his eyes and bent forward coward. So he, his response to that is not, hey, I think there are like flying ring wraiths watching us and like more and more keep coming over here. Maybe we should leave. Nope. They all just sit there doing nothing. <laughs> and, oh, and then Frodo also notes, he's like, yeah, I saw those. They are looking for something. The enemy is on the watch, I fear. And I'm like, gee, I wonder what they're looking for. Yeah, it's not just like three small people sitting outside of the gates of Mordor. With a ring? They're probably like, huh? first of all, how did how did you get here, you little hobbits? And what are you trying to do? Like, obviously, people are watching you. Get out of there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's... Not rocket science. Uh, it's, it's not... And this is like definitely where if they had a Hermione... Hermione several hours ago would have been like, hey, while we're having this conversation about where to go and what to do next, let's like go back into the cover of the tree. I know we don't like the marsh, but at least it's somewhat covered. Like, let's go back in there and talk for a bit and decide so that, you know, we're not being watched by the several hundred enemies that are in this land. <laughs> yeah. As soon as they talked about the path, she would have been like, okay, is that what we're doing? Let's then go. Let's go. Yeah, I don't... Let's hightail it out of here. Yeah, I don't understand why there's literally hours that pass and they still haven't decided to go that way. But, I mean, whatever. <laughs> and then, literally, even more time passes and they hear all this, like, shouting and it sounds like an army is coming nearby. And then it says, it leaped into all their minds at once, or it leaped into... It leaped into all their minds that the Black Wings had spied on them and had sent army sent armed soldiers to seize them. And I'm like, thank you for finally realizing <laughs> that you are being watched and people are after you. Uh, just not the smartest decisions. Just not the smartest decisions. And then Gollum notes that there are these new kind of he calls them men, but I don't know if they actually are men. They might be some kind of creatures. He, I think he later says that, like, they're worse than orcs. Because um, he yeah, says they are... Almost as bad as orcs and much bigger. Yeah. He says they are fierce. They have black eyes and long black hair and gold rings in their ears. Yes, lots of beautiful gold. Also, I like that addition that he's... He's describing these terrifying people and he's like, oh, but like the jewelry is really beautiful. They're terrifying, but they're blinged out. Yeah. So like, you have to respect them a little bit. Yeah. Like at least they're at least they they've got some they've got a good look going. You know, it's a fashion show. <laughs> and then this is where I absolutely I lost my mind and I wanted to like quit the book because Sam asks, he says, oh, are those Oliphants? Gollum says, no, what are Oliphants? And Sam tells, gives, stands up and tells this poem, this like hobbit folklore of what Oliphants are. And it's it's very clear that it's just like, it's just an elephant, 
but the hobbits give it a funny name. And I'm so furious <laughs> about this because it has absolutely f***ing nothing to do with the plot. It has zero effect on the story. It has nothing to do... like. Clearly, it's so clear to me what happened here is that either Tolkien was being paid by the word or he a long time ago wrote a poem about elephants and he was like, I'm going to be able to put it in at some point. Like, there's definitely going to be a point in this book where they're going to talk about elephants and I'm going to put this cute poem about elephants in here and it'll be fun. And then here he is more than halfway into the book and he's like, I don't think a good point is going to come up. So I'm just going to have Sam randomly ask about Oliphants. And here we are, elephants. There we go. And I was furious because it has absolutely nothing to do with the story. It complete like, it's just so, and I'm like, if this was given to a modern editor, they would have been like, why do you have a poem about elephants in here? This has nothing to do with the story. Oh my gosh. I mean, in Tolkien's defense, it's a pretty good poem. And... (laughs) Oliphants are like elephants, but on steroids. Like they are huge. So it is kind of weird that that's that's exactly where Sam's mind goes. He's like, are there oliphants? Like there's so much, like there are so many other things that could harm you, and you are worried about an oliphant. Yeah, he's like, Like, this. Just get out of there. Yeah. Okay. Also. Are they actually, are Oliphants actually giant elephants? Or is that just how they are described in the Hobbit folklore? Because Hobbits are small and everything to them is giant. No, they are actually giant. Oh my God. And so I was, I was just, I was very upset about this. (laughs) And so, because I was like, (laughs) there are so many other pressing things at play. Like for instance... How are we going to get into Mordor? Are we going to be trusting Gollum? Like, is he a trustworthy person at this point? Uh, Also, like, what's happening with Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Pippin? Like, what's happening with it? There's so many other things going on in this book. And Tolkien was like, nah, man, elephants. It has to be brought up. If he just... He just really likes elephants. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I'm sure I'm like the only person who cares this much, who has this much <laughs> feeling behind this dumb poem. And honestly, it's not even, a, it's like, it's a cute poem. Gray as a mouse, big as a house, nose like a snake, I make the earth shake. And then it just goes on like that, where it's kind of like, it's kind of written like it's a very obvious riddle. For what it is, because it says flapping big ears. Right. I stump round and round. Oh, apparently, apparently Oliphants don't die <laughs> ever. So that is a little scary. They just live forever. It says never lie on the ground, not even to die. You're like Gollum in this moment in the next line when he's like, Smeagol has not heard of them. He does not want to see them. He does not want them to be. Smeagol wants them to go away from here and hide no Smeagol wants to go away from here and hide somewhere safer yeah so he's like I'm over these Oliphants let's get out of here yeah (laughs) and oh yeah and like also I should mention that like the resolution of oh are those Oliphants is no those aren't okay moving on and that's literally the only that's that's why they're brought up and nothing happens with it and I was like I was texting about it with Tyler and Ethan and they were like Ethan was like, oh, well, they definitely come into play later. So you're going to regret that. And I was like, if you're going to tell me that the freaking Oliphants are like the Chekhov's gun of the Lord of the Rings series, I'm going to like, I will delete every episode of this podcast. And he's like, no, they do not show up again. I'm just totally kidding you. (laughs) And I was like, okay, great. So, and the chapter ends with Gollum saying that they will, Frodo finally makes the decision. He's like, okay, let's go that way. We'll go down that path. That's the only way right now that we have. Oh, also, I should I should mention that this secret tunnel, uh, Gollum does say like several times, he's like, well, I mean, it was a long time ago that I was there and there's a good chance that that isn't even there anymore. And we might get there and it might not be yeah. there. So this isn't even like a surefire thing. They're, it's just like 
the only thing possibility that they have going on to get into Mordor, and we'll see how that goes. And so Gollum says, tells them all to go to sleep, and they will travel at night. And that's how the chapter ends. They go to sleep. I don't know if I could sleep there, but... I know. Like, also... Teach their own, I guess. There, so the sun, because he mentions until the yellow face goes away. So the sun is obviously out and in the sky. And they're, like, in an open field. So they're just, like, lying in the middle of a desert, I don't know, to go to bed. (laughs) I, I don't know. Like, the marsh, I guess, must have been really bad if they don't even like want to go under over there for cover. So we will see right. what happens. So is there anything that we skipped over or anything you wanted to bring up that you didn't get a chance to? No, I think we hit it all. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> this always, was a fun little chapter. It's always nice <laughs> when that happens. Yeah, just like a lot of yeah. like, <laughs> like, come on, guys. Like, let's let's think through this a little bit better. And that's yeah. why Hermione couldn't be there because... They would like already. They would probably already be in Mordor. They would have already been destroying the ring at this point mm-hmm. if Hermione was there. Yeah, I think. But then you'd miss out on so much great content. Yeah, this is true. So, okay, cool. Well, uh, so that yes, that brings us to the end of this episode. Emily, where can people find you on the internet, and uh, where can people find your podcast on the internet? Yeah, so again, our podcast is called Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. So you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at HP Half Drunk and on Facebook at Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. And then we're available anywhere that you can stream one. So yeah, check us out. Nice. Also, you have great drink recipes and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do. So we try to tie our drinks in every week. Sometimes it works out better than others, but <laughs> that's it's fun. a fun time. That's fun. <laughs> um, and then also, what is a piece of media that you would recommend to people if they enjoy Lord of the Rings or aspects of Lord of the Rings? It can be a book, a movie, a TV show. Honestly, and I know this has probably been said, but I think Game of Thrones really is up there for people who love Lord of the Rings just because it's like Lord of the Rings and then a whole nother dimension of like <laughs> effed up everything. Like, like <sighs> you're never going to be happy. The books, obviously, were waiting for him to finish the books. But yeah, I mean, it, the series is just super entertaining. And, you know, even though the ending kind of sucked, it's still... I think if you are a fan of Lord of the Rings, you'll be able to fall into that world very easily. Yeah. And become enthralled with it. So it's like it's just so much content too. I would I should hope so since George R. R. Martin pretty much copied J. R. R. Tolkien. He did. <laughs> he did. Like completely. Did. But Oh, so it's, ridiculous. He did, but he didn't, I guess, because it's kind of eventually this romantic story in a way that Tolkien doesn't really write about. I mean, you obviously get aspects of a romance Mm -hmm. in and out of the books, but it's not something that fueled this entire war. Yeah. So that's interesting. I also think there's that new show. I think it's on Netflix. I don't remember what streaming platform it was on. The Witcher? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Netflix. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Cool. Awesome. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBE. To learn more about other shows on the network, go to WBE.org. Shows such as Bagels, which you can hear more about right now. Hello, I'm Tyler Carlin, and I love you. And I'm Emily Carlin, and I love you too. And if you love someone, or you love love, you should listen to our new podcast, Bagels! We're not experts, but we sure would like to be. And we believe the best way to get better at something is to practice. So listen to our story as it unfolds as young parents. As best friends. As husband and wife. As we explore what relationships mean to us and to those around us. Bagels. Available now at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The cover is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod and also join the Facebook group because it's fun times in there. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. 
You can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. And the sponsor of this week's episode is Becca Eddowes. Thank you, Becca. You are a wonderful person, and I appreciate you for supporting the podcast. And uh, started last week, and I'm going to see how this goes and continue doing this. This week's quote-unquote discussion question is, so we mentioned that this sounds like the worst group of people to have to travel in a dark tunnel with. Um, So listeners tell me, who would you pick? It could be any three fictional characters, or I guess we'll say two fictional characters since it's you, uh, you are also in the group. What other two fictional characters would you like to travel in a dark secret, narrow staircase and tunnel with? Um, And you can interpret that to be a silly adventure or (laughs) something that you want to actually succeed. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. So, yeah. And also just a side announcement. Uh, Listeners, you all know Friend of the Pod and former guest Christina Khan. A couple months ago now, I feel like she texted me and was like, I want to start a podcast too. And I want it to be somehow I want it to be based in like book discussion and people just gathering and talking about their favorite books and how much and books that they love. And that formed into a adult book club for Harry Potter, basically. And she's gathered myself and some of her other friends as well who are based here in Richmond. And we gather each week now and we discuss a chapter of Harry Potter. And it's really fun. It's called The Restricted Section, and it will be coming out tomorrow that you are hearing this. So go check that out. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I believe. And uh, it is explicit. If explicit content isn't your thing, that's okay. You can pass on this one. But just putting that out there because it's a whole lot of fun. And if you are also an adult who you know, has a deep love for Harry Potter, I think you'll appreciate it. It's kind of like being a part of a, a big book club yourself and getting a inside look at our book club. So that was, that's fun. That is it. Uh, thank you, Emily, for coming on. Do you have any final parting words for the audience? No, um, thank you for having me. And if you guys are interested in two girls getting drunk and talking about the wizarding world check us out (laughs) oh i mean it sounds great sounds great and that's what i'm talking about